Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episode 31 Chapter 25 The City of Dis This week I'm here to tell you all about how my life got flipped and turned upside down. You see... Wait a minute. No... No, that, that's not right. Okay, enough of these shenanigans. I've got some stuff to talk about. If you listen to this show as the episodes drop, I apologize for the absurd amount of time it took me to get back to things. Not making excuses, but kind of making excuses. I had some time scheduled off for recording and whatnot back in November, but... In that time, I ended up getting struck by the old coronavirus. It wasn't the worst case, by any means, but it sapped all of my energy and my ambition for life and will to live. Okay, that's a little melodramatic, but still, recording just wasn't an option. Then we got this arctic blast thing that prevented me from recording in my usual studio. My car in an empty parking lot. Then there was the holidays and the family stuff. And when I finally had a day to catch up and do this wonderfully mediocre work, it snowed! And of course, with snow came a snow day. So my plans were put on hold so I could take care of and entertain my two wonderful kiddos. Finally, though, things are back on track, and hopefully I can keep this train chugging along at its regular clip. Of course, if you don't listen to this show as it drops, and you're listening in the future from your flying car that runs on moonbeams and daydreams, then none of that really matters. And also, greetings from the past. It was, well, it was what it was. This week, we take a look at Canto 8 and Canto 9 of Dante's Inferno, as well as Chapter 25 of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale. Cantos 8 and 9 of the Inferno are more like an epic adventure than any of the other cantos up to this point. Still chock full of that thick Dante symbolism, of course, but much more entertaining, if that's the right phrase. A brief summary of them would be to say, Dante and Virgil are leaving the fifth circle. They need to cross the River Styx, or the Stygian Marsh, Virgil argues with Phlegius, Dante is accosted by a personal enemy, Filippo Argenti, and they have words with some fallen angels. They're confronted by the three Furies, threatened by a Medusa, and witness the glorious arrival of an angel that grants them passage. There's a lot to unpack here. In Canto Eight of Dante's Inferno, Dante and Virgil stop at the Stygian Marsh, 
I don't know if I'm pronouncing Stygian correctly or not, so just bear with me. Anyway, here they see a large tower. From the top of it, it sends out large signal fires. Off in the distance, the travelers see a response from another tower. We also meet Phlegius, the ferryman. He does not want to take the travelers across, but as usual, Virgil sees to it that he does. There's an interesting moment here in which Virgil gets on to Phlegius's small boat. It does not react to his weight. When Dante gets on, however, the boat dips into the water. Dante is a living being. And so, he carries with him the weight of life. Once they get moving, a lost soul accosts Dante. This is Filippo Argenti. He's angry, and there's certainly no love lost between the two of them. Filippo was a Florentine politician in the 13th century. It is said that he once slapped Dante and allowed his brothers to take Dante's belongings while the poet was in exile. And it is also said that Argenti's family protested Dante's return from exile. It's also said that he was known for his temper, which is partly why he exists here in the Styx slash Stygian Marsh, as one of the wrathful and sullen. Dante is outraged and asks to witness Argenti's punishment. Virgil happily obliges and pushes the sinner back into the marsh, where he is then attacked. So wrathful is Argenti that he even attacks himself. This is a turning point for Dante. In previous cantos, he felt sympathetic understanding, and sometimes even heartbroken about the sinner's plights. In this case, Dante goes so far as to request Argenti suffer more than what he's suffered so far, more than what his designated punishment would allow. Virgil praises Dante for finally coming around to what hell is, and is meant to be. Once they reach their destination, they meet a group of fallen angels that refuse to grant them entrance to the city. They tell Virgil he can enter, but never leave, while Dante must turn and go back to where he came from, alone. Virgil approaches the angels on his own, and they retreat back into the city. Downtrodden and defeated, he returns to Dante and tells him not to worry. They will get through one way or another. In Canto 9, Virgil has a run-in with the Three Furies that threaten to release Medusa to turn Dante into stone. It makes sense that this area is guarded by the Furies. In Greek mythology, they are goddesses that doled out punishments for crimes against the natural order such as homicide, and offenses or crimes against God. Beyond this gate is where the harshest punishments exist. It is where Dante and Virgil leave the realm of incontinence 
sins of uninhibited desire, such as lust and gluttony. From here on out, the sins are those that required malice in the sinner's hearts and souls. With the threat of Medusa, Virgil not only tells Dante to shield his eyes, but turns him around and uses his own hands to cover his followers' eyes as well. As Dante and Virgil are sheltering from the dangers that approach on one side of them, they hear a thunderous sound coming from the distance. As they look back to where they came from, they see an angel making his way across the marsh, without so much as setting foot on the disgusting ground. The angel opens the gates and reprimands the fallen angels that refused the poet's entry. From here, Dante and Virgil are free to enter the Sixth Circle. In Chapter 26 of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale, The City of Dis, Dorothy and Vell are making their way to the city. Much like Dante's works, the travelers witness a signal flame from two towers. Here, one of those signals comes from the Black Tower where King Plutus resides, while the other is unnamed. With a large river preventing them from advancing, they must enlist the help of the Stone King. This is a callback to Chapter 42 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, The Ocean and the First Island. In that, Dorothy, Mister, and the Lion are confronted by a stone king and an army of the undead. They are saved by the quadlings, and the king is discovered to be somewhat of a gentle giant that takes them to the second island. Here, however, he is angry. This is King Phlegius, though I don't name him here. He has words with Vel, and we are reminded that she is the one that blinded Plutus, and we learn that she is the one that cast Phlegius in stone. Though I don't go into details about their previous encounter or encounters, Vel makes sure to let him know that that should be enough, and if it's not enough, she lets him know Dorothy's violent history with the Witches of Oz. Phlegius begrudgingly agrees to take them across the river. I dropped the Filippo Argenti moment on the river and replaced it with an encounter on the riverbank after they cross. Dorothy encounters a strange, faceless, pear-shaped figure on the other side of the river. He looks familiar, but she can't quite figure out where she knows him from. And the closer he gets, the less detailed he becomes. By the time he's close enough to get a good look at, he's become a fleshy mannequin. She's overcome with emotions, overtaken by sadness and anger, though she's not entirely sure why. She feels powerless and begins to scream at the figure. Her words are almost uncontrollable and carry a lot of weight and significance. But again, she's not entirely sure why. Like the sullen in Dante's poem, Dorothy chokes on her own hatred as it forces its way up her throat and out of her mouth. In another departure from the Inferno, Dorothy feels 
this punishment. She feels the punishment of the sullen as she watches the punishment of the wrathful. She is part of this world. More so than Dante, who was largely a tourist in the Inferno, watching everyone. Not saying that he was emotionless or unfazed. Obviously, he was very empathetic and felt very deeply for what the others were going through. But he didn't suffer the same fate because he was alive. Dorothy, on the other hand, while not dead, she does suffer some of the same fate as the lost souls in the other side. Vel takes on the role of Virgil once again, and like the poet in Dante's world pushing Argenti back into the mire to be ripped apart, she takes Dorothy's knife and kills him. He falls to the ground, only to be ripped apart by the hands that reach up from beneath the surface of the marshy land. This is a departure from Dante's poem. In the Inferno, Dante knows who this damned soul is. Not only that, he yells at him and asks for more punishment while Virgil is proud. Here, however, Dorothy does not know this figure. She's angry at him, but she's also angry at herself for some unknown reason. Vel kills him, like Virgil pushes Argenti back into the filth, and while Dorothy feels better with him gone, she isn't necessarily asking for worse. And Vel is more annoyed by the encounter than anything, frustrated that Dorothy didn't do it herself. This figure will be revealed in time, and he will be a very crucial part of Dorothy's history. The words she says and the cries she makes will also make sense in time. Dorothy and Vel reach the gates of the city of Dis, only to be stopped. I skipped the fallen angels and went straight to the Furies, though I replaced them with gargoyles, with Medusa-like snakes for hair. They devour one another and grow into one giant monster, the Gargantuan. Instead of waiting for a savior, Vel takes matters into her own hands. Her back splits open, and a massive crow emerges, followed by a giant murder of crows and an unkindness of ravens, and an epic battle ensues. There is no deeper symbolism here, at least not consciously, anyway. Maybe somewhere deep in the subconscious recesses of my mind, there is something hidden in this battle. Maybe it means something that I'm just not aware of or ready to admit. But those reasons have yet to reveal themselves to me if they exist. Maybe it means something to the reader. Or listener, I guess, in this case. I'm always saying art is subjective, after all. It is what you take from it, and often what you want from it. If that's the case, if it really resonates with you for some reason or other, let me know. I would love to hear it. 
If I missed anything or failed to address something you feel I should have or goofed on my summary of Dante's Inferno, which is always a possibility, let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. You don't have to like this show. Although, I don't know why you're listening if you don't. But anyways, like it or not, you can be nice, or at least generally polite. I know you can. I believe in you. A quick rundown of the ways you can get in touch with me is Dark Days of Dorothy Gale at Outlook.com at DarkDorothyG on Twitter and TikTok, alternately at the Ordinary Sun, that's S-U-N, also on Twitter and TikTok, and Instagram. And of course, if social media isn't your jam, there's always the official Dark Days website, ddofdg.com. You can also find links to t-shirts and stickers and all that fun stuff there as well. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale used to be on Amazon as an ebook and in paperback form. But at the time of this recording, the podcast is the only way to experience it. If you would like to support the show, buying a t-shirt or a sticker or something really is the coolest way to go. If you want to support my specific brand of creativity in a more direct and financial way, you can find me at buymeacoffee.com slash ordinary sun. Again, that's S-U-N. If you do, I'll, I don't know, give you a shout out on this unsuccessful and obscure podcast. And I'll even send you a handwritten thank you note, complete with a fun little sketch. If you don't want to donate to this cause, that's totally fine too. I'm happy to do this either way. Come back next week for Chapter 26 of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale, The Heretic. Thanks for listening. I love you all.